When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the programme audio series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. I can't believe you rejected your profit. <laughs> I haven't been back in a while. That's such a... What? I don't know, man. This is the best episode for you ever. (laughs) We didn't think we were going to get an actual alien on the show. I know. Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. 
Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best rusty quillers, and today we're talking about aliens and UFOs and spooky things in space, and I am really, really jubilant to be joined by Alex, Hannah, and Ty. So, as always, alphabetically, Alex, give us your pronouns and tell us what you do. I'm Alexander Janeuel, that's he, him. I'm the founder and CEO of Rusty Quill, and I won't leave. <laughs> you can't leave. <laughs> can't leave. Here forever. We need you all, like, I won't have my show anymore. Trapped on this little blue marble we call Earth, looking up at the stars. Trapped. Trapped forever. Wonderful. Hannah, save us. Tell us your pronouns and <laughs> oh, what boy. you do. Well, hello. I am Hannah. I am the producer for Rusty Cool Gaming currently, as well as the Rusty Cool Patreon, and my pronouns are she, her. Fabulous. And finally, Ty, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do? Yes. Hello, I'm Ty. I'm the Chief Finance Officer for Rusty Quill, so I make sure the money goes where it needs to go, and I'm one of them they-thems. <laughs> one of them they-thems. That's very fun to say. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> we support all they-thems on this podcast. Yes. I've noticed throughout this series, I'm like occasionally making proclamations about the stance of the podcast. <laughs> such as... I mean, it is it is yours, right? Like, that's who else is going to do it? For sure. We are pro pangolins. We are anti anteater. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a hot button topic. There, careful. Honestly, I want to keep that trend going. So far, we've established that this podcast is pro Sasquatch, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that we hold that there are ten thousand planets in the solar system, despite Bryn's objections to that. Oh, Bryn so- will have hated that. <laughs> oh, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so we've got to get on to the main topic for why I wanted to have this episode, which is the U.S. government this year, this <laughs> year of all bizarre years said, oh yeah, you know UFOs? Yeah, we actually don't know what those are. Mm -hmm. Have at it. And nobody noticed because (laughs) we were all sitting in our little cocoons going slightly mad. So what are we going to do with that information, everyone? Flee the planet. (laughs) (laughs) They've been vaguely letting hints and like little declassified things out for a while. The one last year was definitely like, yeah, I remember that day. I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange. It's very hard to... I don't know. I like that they're being matter-of-fact about it as opposed to being cryptic because being matter-of-fact about it means we might actually be able to figure some stuff out and separate what's actually happening from whatever conspiracy theories are out there that are not true. So, you know, points for science. I appreciate that if the U.S. government's got to be transparent about something, I'm glad it's UFOs. (laughs) I'd prefer they were transparent about a lot of other things, but that's a separate issue. But how do you know? Maybe they finally got to the bottom of them all, and now they're saying they don't know so that people finally start to look in the other direction. Maybe this is the tip of the iceberg. Maybe it's aliens all the way down, Hannah. Alex, why must you do this to my sanity? It's carefully constructed (laughs) and very fragile. (laughs) I have to be honest, that was my first thought, is if they're coming out and being like, oh, hey, we don't know what those are, that sounds very much like, well, not really knowing what we're doing 
has solved a lot of other problems in that <laughs> there were problems on top of problems and you're always distracting people. So I think on this one, they were like, do you know what? We haven't done anything really bad in about 48 hours. So let's <laughs> yeah. give them let's give them something to go off on and maybe maybe if we just say that we really don't know and we actually don't care people will just be outraged and go look at ufos and aliens but also there is the concern of like yeah maybe it's because there's aliens all the way down (laughs) what i understand right is that there are a few possibilities some people are saying oh the images the videos are just they're weird tricks of the light or they're reflections off the water that kind of thing. Or they're, they're weird kinds of lightning because lightning can be super weird. Lightning can mm. be super weird. Our weather, bizarre sometimes. Mm-hmm. The second major theory is this is technology that we don't know about yet. Like it's human technology that everyone's being secretive about. And considering the amount of things that are still classified, I wouldn't particularly be surprised if people are experimenting with weird ass stuff. Oh yeah. And then third option it's aliens and stuff. <laughs> Some of those are more exciting explanations than others. For sure. I don't know. I have no preference. I don't think I have a preference. I think I, the the thing of like weapons, it can get very X-Files mm. where you feel like in your brain is both Mulder and Scully as one part of yeah. you goes, come on, <laughs> that's clearly just what they're, they're working on for the latest in some horrifying new way of perpetuating warfare. But then a part of you is like, yeah, but what if there were little green guys in there? And mm. realistically, that's it's one of those like who's to say things, and it, a lot of it comes down to one of my personal things is I don't I don't ask whether someone believes in aliens because I think it's a bit like asking if they believe in the sky. Like they're <laughs> out there somewhere, we just haven't seen them yet. I love it. See, that's a really big distinction. Like a really big distinction because it's like you've la- listed those three, and I'm going to be Captain Downer. I'm going to I'm going to give the hot take. It's not aliens. It's not aliens. It's definitely one or two, but that's because I'm totally with Ty on this one. Where it's like aliens, yeah, of course, of, of course, like just follow that to its logical conclusion, of course, mm-hmm. just mathematically. Yeah, yeah, that's just how that works. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean that I believe buzzing is happening, and I mean buzzing in the sense of like slang for. Aliens in a UFO coming along, messing with some farmers and then bouncing off back into the Andromeda Nebula. Like, I, I don't believe buzzing happens, but you can separate out crop circles from the actual consideration of alien life. Yeah. Yes. I think we probably all agree there's aliens out there. We may never meet them, but the idea that they're here... <laughs> Also, it depends how you define alien. Oh, yeah. There's been some interesting studies to do with, I forget what it's called. It's a form of colonization theory, which is there's an argument to be made that basically a couple of meteorites landed on Earth and that's where life comes from. Yes. So when you get to that, it's like, cool, define alien then. (laughs) But like, there's some interesting data that is that is a hypothesis some people hold that is not the same as a proven theory. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's some interesting stuff there. No, Alex is claiming definitively that we're all aliens. That's we what are I'm... all aliens. <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation had it right, and we're all humanoid, not due to makeup considerations. It's. I think but... it's interesting when you think about what qualifies as an alien. Because then I think about the kind of things that we see. I mean, everybody's seen those like clickbait headlines saying, fishermen found this washed up on the shore. What happened next will blow your oh, mind. Yeah. Oh, God. 
<laughs> it's always just like a seal. It is, or it's like <laughs> yeah. a, it's a blobfish, but out of the water, or or it's like <laughs> a bit of a messed up octopus or something. And you're like, yeah. well, the thing is, there is so much stuff still in the sea that we don't know what it looks like, what yeah. it does, what it is. We're still discovering what's here on the planet. And I think, again, just to go back to this point, we, we can all agree that like definitely there are aliens and i just want to really hammer that home because i have such a problem when i speak to people and they say no i don't believe in aliens i just don't think there's anything else out there in space we'd have seen them already i'm what? like no we haven't even seen what's at the bottom of the sea <laughs> we're bad at seeing stuff we are we're bad at seeing stuff there's so much stuff to see and the average person absolutely myself included cannot properly conceptualize the sea in their head because it's so big so the idea that you can do that with the entirety of existence it's just hubris <laughs> did you ever read the book the kraken wakes at all by uh i think it was john Wyndham? no no but as a fan of seattle's new hockey team i'm excited by this title <laughs> <laughs> it's either the kraken wakes or the kraken awakes or something like that it's been years since i read it but the entire premise is basically that everyone's like oh there's aliens and it's not it's just there's stuff that lives really deep in the ocean mm-hmm. and it turns out there's intelligent life down there and it's not happy with what we're doing like that's the entire premise though is it hits a lot of the same notes where it reads like aliens and it's like mm-hmm. no it's just the ocean's terrifying yeah yeah just that feels uncomfortably plausible honestly that somewhere else <laughs> yeah. on this planet is eventually someone that's going to be like what are you doing well it gets it gets really really awkward because their master plan is raising the sea levels which gets a little mm. close to home hey. <laughs> we're helping i can see that things living under the sea or even i mean this is another thing if the i'm sure we'll get into the questions of faster than light travel and such and so forth but if we think about these things as something that we don't understand knowing that we already don't know what species are on the planet who's to say these ufos aren't just cloaking failures by something that already coexists here with us without our knowledge i like that one and that's the other thing, right? We don't know how many senses other things might have. Mm. Like, can't shrimp... Aren't there, like, forbidden shrimp colours that we don't see? Mantis shrimp! We've heard about this one, and I, I just want to say on the mantis shrimp, it is that they have cones within their eyes that can perceive types of light that we can't, but they actually yeah. only see, like, three colours. Aww. It's not the the true 16... We, we would all be seeing, like, a kaleidoscope all the time. It's kind of more like how... Yeah, some animals can see UV, but they're still looking at a different type of light on top of a black and white image. Mm. Not to ruin mantis shrimps for everybody, I just, I like to ruin little factoids. That's okay. <laughs> well, you're also, yeah, you're driving perilously close to my hot button, which is how many senses do humans have? <gasps> well. Mm. Six. Loads! Lots. Tons. So many. You can sense when you're upside <laughs> down, even if you aren't seeing, smelling, tasting, touching it. Like, yes. that's a sense. You can feel when you're under physical pressure, even though it's not a touch. Like, humans have like 27 senses. You can feel where your own body is in relation to your body. That's a sense. It's As a separate sense, yeah, because it doesn't require yeah. physical touch. Mm-hmm. I'm bad at that one. <laughs> You've got about 20-something senses. So, yeah, it, it gets weird when you start conceptualizing that outside yeah. of us. It's one of those senses you can sense when there's another person in the room. Yeah. Because I feel like that's something I have. Like, okay, the the anecdote I always think of is um, I'd gone to bed and my partner at the time was still watching Match of the Day. And um, (laughs) I fell asleep and he came in the room 
and he just opened the door. I woke up and screamed my head off because oh. all I could see was like this silhouetted dark figure in the doorway. Oh, no. like, I can't speak to your ESP, though I'm presuming, of course, <laughs> that we're all agreed that all aliens are definitely telepathic regardless of context, right? <laughs> no, Alex, I don't think we can go with such blanket statements like that. <laughs> but like, I believe that like you can tell if someone's in a room with you a lot I mean, of the time. That makes sense, because I mean, every, I think it's every living thing basically emits like an electromagnetic field of some level. It's very, yeah. very small compared to things like, you know, technology. But I mean, mm. there's there's stuff in there moving around and it's, you know, that's what happens. So it would make sense yeah. that there's some awareness of it. But now you, you're getting into the territory of like defining alien abduction experiences. Yes. Where there's been a lot of studies where... Oh, I can share two. I've got two very fun facts for this. <gasps> Yay! Yes, so yes. One, one is that there have been a number of studies in an attempt to induce abduction experiences that succeeded. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So what they did is they psycho- like people signed up for it. They primed people psychologically to the idea of aliens, and then they induced a sleep paralysis episode, <gasps> and a significant chunk of the subjects were all like, yeah, I was visited by aliens. And then when provided footage that debunked that had a real hard time believing the footage over their experience which is interesting mm-hmm. wow but my second which is my absolute favorite favorite aliens fact and this is one of those ones where i'm going to find out it's been debunked or something but i'm going to stick to it <laughs> alien abduction insurance is a thing in the u.s mm-hmm. i didn't know that <laughs> where you basically you can get various levels of coverage and all of them require that if you can prove beyond reasonable <laughs> doubt that you have been abducted by an alien you'll get a payout there is one formally recorded case of someone getting that payout. Oh! There's a few insurance houses that do it. There is one confirmed insurance payout for someone who demonstrated beyond reasonable doubt that they had an abduction experience under the terms of the insurance policy. Wow. Alex, please tell me you have more details of this. That's everything I've got! That's it! No! You've got to go away and research it yourself. I'm researching the hell out of that, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's so tantalizing. That's amazing. It is. I came at that via some friends who worked in insurance and then Mm. years ago did a quick little Google search and went, oh, interesting. But I'm no doubt that that's been debunked or something else. But it's like my favorite little nugget to share when it comes to stuff like this. Sure, but it's interesting, though. I don't know. I feel like insurance companies would be kind of hard to pull one over on because aren't they dealing with that kind of thing all the time of people trying to trick them? I think being brutal, it's probably more likely due to a failing in their wording where they were like, you Mm. never said there had to be a UFO. I was kidnapped. This covers it. Like, <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's fair. Define abduction. Someone found a loophole. I feel like it's probably like they got them on a technicality, but it's still a cool little thing. Mm. But it's still true, and it's still fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that. Um, there's a law in a U.S. state where you have to. You're legally required to tell someone if your house is haunted if you're trying to sell it. Oh yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I love that stuff. We have fun over here. (laughs) (laughs) The intersection of bureaucracy and the paranormal is so fascinating. It's so interesting. The the US government would litigate the ghost world if they could, like, for (laughs) back taxes or something. Immediately. Man, I'm convinced they are, honestly. Like... (laughs) 
They probably know. They're probably taxing it somehow. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being pessimistic here. <laughs> taxing the ghosts. On the point of, of alien abductions, I think it's um, really interesting for you to say that there's so many people that have these, they've had these like induced experiences. Mm. And I think there's so much where it intersects with how, unfortunately, human memory is really unreliable, especially when it comes to very emotive experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't help when, as well, you have things like the other signs of aliens sort of showing up, things like crop circles, or sometimes it'll be unexplained. Again, I'm thinking of like the X Files, unexplained, like, you know, animal death in the area, oh, or yeah, somebody's yeah. acting weird or something. It always ends up getting attributed to, first of all, the crop circles. I think that one's always just been down to a dude with a plank on some but that, rope. That, but I'm fascinated that that became aliens at some point. Because the people who did it went, yeah, we did it. And then everyone went, no, you didn't. And they're like, no, we we did. Like, this, this is how we did it. And everyone's like, no, you didn't. It's aliens. No, really, we, we were just drawing shapes. We didn't even say it was aliens. You just assumed. And these people have actively come out and said, we invented crop circles. And everyone's like, you're a liar. You're working for big alien. <laughs> big alien. It's gone so bizarre, that specific subculture. To be blunt, I, wouldn't, I would not trust most elective officials to you know keep the taps running the idea that they could elaborately like manage an entire conspiracy on that scale <laughs> secret alien just yeah. the older yeah. i get the more i see that no one has any idea what's happening on the entire planet absolutely the level of like coordination and controlled and will to make that happen mm. I, I don't see it from that point of view, I'm going to recommend, again, um, for you specifically, Alex, is Waking Gods by Sylvain Nouvel, which is about what if aliens did come a long time ago, and what if there was a whole thing where people did know something about I don't want to spoil it, but you'll like it. Understood. <laughs> Added to the list. Also about aliens, it, it is very relevant, whereas, again, these ones are, are unknowable because of cultural differences and their own feelings of their morality on whether or not they should interfere with us. Mm. Oh, don't get me started on the Prime Directive. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really interesting because one, so one of my favourite like classic Tumblr posts of all time is where someone's like, okay, so we all talk about how aliens must be really frightening, but what if they're really scared of us because yeah. of our traits as predators and they're like they they have a set of teeth and then all their teeth fall out and they grow new ones <laughs> and you yeah. know they can break a bone and then they just click it back into place and it heals up and you know they can live in temperatures of up to this many degrees yes like, it's earth of space australia we're actually quite scary well, that's, that's genuinely <laughs> one of the proposed solutions to the fermi paradox fermi was a mathematician who ran the figures on the likelihood of life in the universe and encountered a paradox which is listen if you assume i'm, I'm not going to pluck the actual figures i don't have them memorized but it'd be like okay let's assume that one in every million stars has planets one in every million of those has planets that are even vaguely capable of sustaining in life. One in every million of those has, you know, the right conditions and it happens and you have basic life. One in every million of those is likely to make it to intelligent life. Blah, 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 blah. But what it comes down to is that the universe is so goddamn massive and there is so much stuff in there that even if you make those odds, like, prohibitively, prohibitively rare the universe should still be swimming in life and mm. that even if you if you follow that even further like intelligent life wants to travel if you assume that which is, is there's an argument that that's not the case but whatever you should be 
unable to move for galactic senates and and you know <laughs> hyperspace bypasses that are demolishing earth on the way like you should be encountering that so the paradox says that the math says we should encounter them and that means that there have been a number of proposed solutions to the fermi paradox why are we not seeing them one of the solutions is that basically we are in the equivalent of quarantine or a nature reserve <laughs> because we're too dangerous. Mm. We're too either we're too hostile, we're biologically incompatible, we are not to be trusted, like whatever, but for some reason we're in a in a pocket deliberately. It's not a very well-believed solution to the Fermi paradox, but it is one way that you can make the math square is that, yeah, either we're too terrifying or just too gross and that the rest of the universe has gone like no none of that we'll we'll hide ourselves from them because that's just awful oh god no i mean fair enough <laughs> that's not disgusting hair humans are disgusting we're all just gross disgusting predators Ugh. hannah do you have any because i do want to talk a little bit about sci-fi books because this is totally with that's totally within the remit of this conversation oh yeah <laughs> hannah have you read about any sci-fi books about aliens and stuff like that do you'd like to recommend like is there any that floats your boat uh nothing comes to mind i'll be honest i do i do have a story that sounds like a bit of a sci-fi book from my own i will past. i will go for that <laughs> okay. i will absolutely go for that cool so i grew up in a small town in northern idaho which for anyone who doesn't know sort of u.s states that's exactly the sort of place a story like this would happen um <laughs> okay and when I was in kindergarten, there was a, well, there was a, a kid in my class who was very, very weird, very creepy, just did not like me for some reason, and uh, got to the point that my parents decided they wanted to pull me out of this particular school. And they went and talked to the teacher about it, and this teacher adamantly insisted that they could not pull me out because she was not done training me yet, because I was some sort of alien messiah from another star. I think she said a blue uh, one yeah. sent to help us and save humanity or, or something. Naturally, my parents were very adamant on pulling me out after that, and they <laughs> did. But yeah, apparently I'd been like doodling sacred geometry, and that was part of her proof. I don't know if that's true or not. But there were many people in that town that were pretty convinced that there was like a mothership over the town. Oh my god. To my knowledge, none of this is true, just to clarify. <laughs> We've been employing the next leader of the, the aliens, or the, the prophet of the aliens. There you go. Incredible. Did you ever make contact again with like anyone who was wrapped up in that belief of you as an alien messiah? Well, God, I hope it was just her. I hope that whole group of them didn't think that. Although they did like have <laughs> meetings and stuff, so there is a world in which that. Wow, Alex, I never considered oh that there may be a cult in my hometown that thinks I'm an alien messiah. Thank you for putting this in my head. <laughs> on that bombshell. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. I think we're gonna move to a break. Wow. Bye. Oh, Hannah. Hello everyone, Helen here, who you may know from Rusty Quill Gaming and Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about We're Alive Descendants, the sequel series to the award-winning audio drama We're Alive. From Casey Wayland and Wayland Productions, We're Alive is a survival horror odyssey spanning six seasons and 13 years. Set 18 years after the original series We're Alive, A Story of Survival, Follow the harrowing journey of the next generation of survivors in Descendants as they discover how much of the world has changed, how the infected have evolved, 
and face the conflict sparked by humanity's efforts to reclaim a lost civilization. Join this new generation as they work to make sense of this deadly new world before it consumes them and everything they know and love. We're Alive, Descendants, will bring together narrative threads from the first six seasons, but is also a great place to start for those new to We're Alive, and should appeal to fans of zombie fiction in general. Created and produced by Wayland Productions, and executive produced by us here at Rusty Quill, We're Alive, Descendants premieres April 5th. Search for We're Alive wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit www.we'realive.com or www.rustyquill.com for more information. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome back. I, for one, welcome Hannah, our alien <laughs> overlord. No. I always suspected. I just never said. Well, thank you. I, I just I just want to make it very clear. I don't think this is true. I don't think that I am. I, just to put it out there. But I don't know. Again, hopefully there is not a group of people in a small town in Idaho that thinks it's true because that would be awkward. But we'll deal with that if and when it comes up, I guess. Oh, God bless you. I want to go back to something that Ty brought up briefly earlier, which was faster than light travel. Mm. Oh, yes. I know nothing about this, so I'm going to immediately hand over to whoever wants to talk about it. I just know it means going very, very fast. Yeah. I'll deliberately take a backseat because you know what I'm like on topics like this. <laughs> I I brought it up and since I've been designated the layman for this one, as we have Earth's Ambassador, the Alien Messiah and Alexander J. Newell... <laughs> I, I will explain. So f- the idea for, of faster than light travel is that traveling at the speed of light is theoretically the fastest that anything can possibly go. Mm. And so the idea that you could travel faster than light is basically it's a point of science fiction. And I guess the theoretically the idea is that you would be traveling so fast you wouldn't have to worry about things like it taking 16 thousand years to get from here to you know the next planet that you wanted to hop over to i imagine that there's probably a much more scientific way of explaining it but as far as i'm aware faster than light travel still very much completely theoretical and even in in sort of dubious theory well you say that oh Oh, there's been some (laughs) recent developments in this field oh what so i'm gonna leave aside wormholes as a separate thing sure there has been some people who started to do some very interesting work to do with warp theory oh named yes. after the star trek stuff sure but 
actual like some people have started to develop some ideas of what warp theory would look like and the really interesting stuff is i'm going to oversimplify here and this isn't this is still in the hypothesis stage it's not in the theory stage where it's got demonstrable but they've got some interesting empirical evidence that's starting to base this on the the speed of light is an absolute you can't change it but what you can do is you can sort of make a little pocket where it doesn't obey the rules of the universe and then things can move faster within that pocket oh what that's super neat it's super nascent bleeding edge research but people have started to investigate the feasibility of warp fields a couple of people have previously claimed to make like teeny tiny ones but i think that's been debunked but people are looking into warp theory as a uh, field of study now this makes me so happy that's so interesting so a warp drive might exist at some point ah. it's it's conceptually odd mm-hmm. is this similar to the i i read something I, I i absolutely skimmed it so i'm paraphrasing but it was something recently about i think the idea from future armor of the ship doesn't move it moves space around oh. it yeah yeah yeah. that's basically what it is so what you like the theory behind it i'm going to oversimplify is you can't make light move faster than it does Mm-hmm. and nothing can move faster than light because it requires an infinite amount of energy for mass to travel beyond the speed of light, basically. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is make what is effectively a time-space bubble around a thing, and the idea is that if we can make that, you can move despite the universe instead of through it. Mm. It's really hard to explain, and the maths doesn't really make sense, but I'm not a a genius chocker um <laughs> but yeah people are actively looking at it now as opposed to it just being no one's even trying there are now active people researching that specifically as a topic that's very cool i really would love if you could send me the article or paper that this is from it's been a while it was like last year i stumbled on it i'll dig it up and then uh and chuck it along again but yeah it's just it's yeah, just nice to know you. that someone out there is actively yeah. like no i'm gonna make this happen as opposed to wouldn't that be nice okay so we've talked a bit about what we think the ufos may or may not be talked a bit about aliens i want to get a little bit deeper and ask one of the more philosophical questions that I have written down. Yes. Which is, why do we think we are f- so fascinated by the concept of aliens? Ooh. Like, why is it something that everyone has an opinion on this? Or at least, in my experience, they do. I think maybe people aren't going to like this because it's it's somewhat of a pessimistic view. And I'm I'm happy to listen to other people's points and be corrected if they feel that I am being too pessimistic. But I think... We've always been interested because as long as we've been able to sort of look up and we have recorded sort of history of people looking up and wondering what is in the stars outside of, you know, what what made us, but maybe like what lives out there. Mm. It has been out of things aren't going great down here, are they? Mm. Kind of dissatisfied with all of this. It's it's never been because we've made so much progress that we should now start thinking about space. Or if it is, the people who are measuring that progress are measuring with a very narrow-minded view. So yeah, I think most of it, the reason we're fascinated with the idea of it is because we imagine that there must be something brighter and better and uh, if we're thinking about species something more advanced than us Mm. or the idea that we will discover something it's the instinctive human drive for knowledge Mm. but i think specifically when we look at aliens and ufos we're drawn into 
what some people will consider conspiracy theories or what very realistically are conspiracy theories about aliens in government and what have you because we don't like the way things are but we don't believe we have the power to change them and so we imagine as Alex was saying before nobody's in charge it's all all rudderless we imagine that there must be someone in charge and if if people won't tell us who or we don't believe in the authority figures that we're given then there must be somebody behind them Mm. pulling the strings so I hope somebody has a much more optimistic view of why we're interested in aliens. But I got a more pessimistic one than that, if you want. <laughs> you do? Ah, oh, hit me with it, Alex. I'm ready for that existential crisis. <laughs> I've got an optimistic one. We'll save that for the end. <laughs> Hannah, I'll push us beyond the realms of even sad into just misery, and then you can, you can pull it back. I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> I think the clue's in the name, by which I mean, notice that we're talking about aliens. We're not talking about xenobiology. Mm. An alien as a word predates the concept of little green men. Mm. Alien as a word means basically not us. Mm. Not us. And when the world was a bigger place, not us was other people. Yeah. And at some point, we closed that sphere and knew the world. And we ran out of not us's. If you exclude just full-blown hardcore bigotry... Conceptually, humanity likes to define itself by what isn't us, in inverted commas. Mm. And if everyone's on the same planet and we're all human, we create a thing that can fill that goal. And I think humans en masse have a tendency to lift from history and project into the future, regardless of whether it's a good idea or not. Which is why you get a lot of colonial space narratives it's why you get a lot of either they're coming to us and wiping us out or we're going to them as the advanced species and wiping them out etc 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 it's all iterations on the old conquistador problem but i still think it speaks to that a little bit and i know that's very pessimistic as a view i think that on mass and this is me like being just fully misanthropic I think more people are pessimistic regarding alien life than optimistic. I think if you prove that alien life out there was intelligent and was on its way, you're going to get a lot more people going, send some nukes, than you're going to get going, let's roll out the red carpet, based Mm. on just other bad. And I know that makes me very misanthropic and not very, uh, like, (laughs) woo humanity, but uh, thankfully Hannah's here to pull us back into anything else. Oh, no pressure. All right. <laughs> Once again, Hannah, save, save us. us Hannah. Okay. <laughs> Alien Messiah. That's oh, just the theme of the episode. Yeah. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> okay. You did actually both touch on sort of my thesis, I guess, which is essentially curiosity. Hmm. The thing that separates humans from anything else we know of is that we want to know stuff just for the sake of knowing it, even if there isn't like a practical reason. And so on the Earth, uh, like Alex mentioned, we kind of got to the point of like, well, we've sort of seen pretty much everything here and and can kind of understand it. So there is, of course, still, you know, depths of the ocean. Who knows what the hell's down there? But even still, we know where that is. Like, we can Mm. point at it and it obeys our laws of physics. And it's like, okay, we know the rules of that game. If we can just figure out how to play it correctly, we can go find out what's down there and we can know more of the stuff. Yeah. But space, which is like, you know, thinking about like these ancient civilizations with, you know, zero light pollution looking up at night, like, my God, that must have been just absolutely awe-inspiring. Yeah. And there's so much up there, clearly, but we can't possibly 
touch it like we were talking about and like we now know more and more although maybe if alex's research uh, that he brought up is is correct the you know maybe we can one day travel faster than light i think that research is really optimistic sorry <gasps> that's okay that's okay but it's you know exactly like in terms of probably our lifetimes at least we're never going to be able to go there but it's right in front of us like it the sky is is always present we always see it but we can never touch it and mm. i think that that just really pokes at our human curiosity and i think that one of the most like beautiful things that we've done in history is sending out the voyager probes which oh, God. If anyone yes. doesn't know that's just these two lovely little little robots that we sent off in opposite directions in space <sighs> and each of them contains a golden record mm. like literally a, a record like a mm -hmm. the, the old version of cds <laughs> that contains like sounds of life on earth and like weather and animals and audio samples mm. of people in a multitude of different languages saying basically like hey we extend greetings and we we want to be friends and hopefully someone can eventually answer us and they're still out there just going i will say that my idea is um quite similar to yours as well which is i think i think that one of the things that humans have in abundance is our imagination and I think that the night sky is a boundless well of imagine. Like, there's no way you can look at it and think, what is that? What is up there? And I think as soon as you realize there could be other people, I don't think you can help it. I don't think you can help imagining it. And because I think that imagination is one of humanity's greatest strengths. I also want to ask another question which may be a little deep. I think it's going to probably going to be our last question because we've got about 10 minutes or so left and this could take a while. We know that there's going to be microbes and bacteria and stuff like that. But if there was more advanced kinds of aliens out there, what do we think that they would actually be like? Like, would they have to, would they have to be non-carbon based, for example? Would they have limbs? Would they be invisible? Like, what do we reckon they might be like? Can I give you a hot take on this one? Oh, love a hot take. You're full of the hot takes on aliens, Alex, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Us, but I'll explain why. Okay, okay. So looping all the way back around to the Fermi thing, one of like the great filter is the reason of reasons that we're not seeing people. And one of the arguments is if it takes a lot longer to make intelligent life than we think, given how old the universe is, given how old the Earth is, and so on and so on. We could just be the first. Mm. <laughs> Meaning, what we mean by aliens are actually just our great, 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 great gang kids who at some point bounce off into the stars and start to speciate in isolation from one another. Mm. So I sometimes catch myself thinking that the aliens is actually just iterations of us. Mm. That's a really fascinating theory. I think that's very interesting. It is. That is interesting, but it's not as cool. Good, good hot take. Good hot take. It's not quite as exciting <laughs> as saying lots of tentacles. No. no, it's one of the reasons I brought up faster than light travel earlier, though, is one of the things people talk about with, as you said, with the Fermi paradox, people go, well, God, there's so much space out there. Someone must have uh, must have popped up like us now. I think, first of all, it, it is built on the assumption, uh, like you said, that all life has been developing from the same point or that the way in which we develop have reached a point of like developing interest in in space and all that kind of stuff has happened on the only scale possible and so the idea that like 
I'm not going to get into the idea that we were visited by aliens in the past because that's a whole different kettle of fish. <laughs> and some people have some very specific ideas on what they think the aliens did. But the idea of maybe, you know, aliens in the in the future just being us but sort of going forward is is really interesting. But one of the things that comes up is always why haven't we seen aliens? And it's it's like, yeah, you, you've assumed that everything has developed along the same sort of trajectory as we have. Mm. And again, we were talking before about certain things like ownership. We might assume that aliens have. One of the things is, yes, yeah, straight up, what if there's some beings that communicate through a series of electromagnetic impulses directed only by eyes that they can only see in the fourth dimension and <laughs> you get into this whole kind of thing of like there was actually a really interesting show about this and it was I think it was kind of very David Attenborough sort of but it was about what life might look like on other planets and it's so it's so good oh, I've watched that I feel like I might have too and it's so dependent on what the planet looks like. So mm. again, it's like, do we assume it's a, it's something that's akin to Earth? Mm. In which case, if we're talking about why haven't we met them yet, it's assuming that that Earth is the exact same age as us and intelligent life takes exactly as long to, mm. to develop as, as it has. Or that we are, like we said, we're way behind. We're still in the equivalent of species puberty and all the other aliens are like, oh, we're not having any truck with that while they're going <laughs> through all, all of this. We'll check back on in, in a few generations, you know? Hmm. What do you reckon, Hannah? I guess the only thing we really can know is we seem to have figured out pretty well like what the different building blocks of stuff in the universe are like the periodic table like we kind of mm. seem to get stars and how they make stuff at this point and that's just where all the stuff comes from so it's like well okay it's probably I mean, unless we're co totally wrong about that which is entirely <laughs> possible but it it seems like it's well okay it's some combination of those elements and you know who knows what that looks like unless of course they're you know made of dark matter or something which we really don't understand yet and is kind of most of the stuff in the universe turns out mm. yeah that's the other interesting thing is you can always just say or oh, it's dark matter and it's like well yeah we have no idea what that would be like but i think it's kind of fun to not have any idea mm -hmm. i i sort of relish that and you know that's going back to the whole curiosity thing i suppose i i enjoy the notion of like we can't possibly know but maybe someday someday we will yeah you mentioned dark matter and now i'm thinking about what i learned recently about negative matter from dr paul mm. what there's a third kind of matter now yeah so uh, it's theoretical theoretical matter okay so basically negative matter is something the way it was described to me and listener, I think this will come after the space episode, so you'll remember this as well. If you kick it, it'll go in the opposite direction, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and its existence would just completely nuke our understanding of many physical laws. And it would really mess us up. Oh, God. You, it, you give me flashbacks to quantum physics. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, right? Those are good flashbacks. What's that? Spin. What's spinning? Well, nothing spinning. It's just spin. Well, something's got to be spinning. What is it? It's just spin. Spin something, mm -hmm. then take the thing away and leave the spin. What, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
nonsense. <laughs> is it a wave or a particle? I don't know. What, how, what do you think it is? That's the answer. What? God. <laughs> this is some serious science. When a couple of weeks ago, I figured out that as an adult at, at my age, which is a person's business and nobody else, but <laughs> I figured out that I could not, if somebody asked me, explain how wind worked. And I would just like to challenge anybody who thinks that's really silly to go on the internet and try and get a definition of how wind works that doesn't just end at the point it introduces the Coriolis effect. Because, first of all, physicists are mad about the Coriolis effect <laughs> even having come up right now. But at the point at which it just starts talking about weather systems and things like that, I'd just like you to try and go a bit deeper because I actually had to have a physicist friend of mine explain that it's just the extreme scale of the same thing we all learn in science class of molecules bumping into each other. And when they do it at a a huge enough level, off it goes. But if you want a more in-depth discussion like version than that, you either have to already know a lot of physics or just be happy with an answer that's like... Planets spinning, clouds moving, wind happens. Yeah. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I mean, me too, but then when we start getting into <laughs> negative matter and antimatter and quantum matter, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just want the aliens to be some kind of like... Ty, I can't believe... You've just given me a crisis because I'm, I'm, I'm now just sitting here thinking, what is wind? Uh, right? What, I think what about is that wind? sometimes. So... So I'll take it in a hard left because I feel like my first answer didn't quite answer your question. Oh, okay. And you're, you're talking about wind has really answered this for me. So this is one that I genuinely think. This isn't just a, like, a, a philosophical thing, which is... So who here reads their Arthur C. Clarke? A little bit. You know, Spoonful of Arthur C. Clarke in the morning helps your, uh, helps your science fiction go down. <laughs> Absolutely. So there was a specific book, Childhood's End. Mm, Anyone heard of that? No. No, but it sounds lovely. So Childhood's End is a story about, and I'll retell this, and I'll say this is what I really clue into. Mm. Childhood Tend is a story about how over the years, people notice that the behaviour of their children is starting to change from one generation to the next Mm. in a way that doesn't make much sense. At the same time, aliens turn up. There's a bunch of kind of classic Arthur C. Clarke stuff where they look like the literal devil and it's cultural blah, 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 whatever but like the idea is that these aliens are here to help humanity into its next phase of evolution and interaction with the universe mm. and what it is is that the children of humanity are reaching a point where they're engaging with like what's called the overmind and what the idea is really really simply is Okay, a computer is anything that has a sufficient amount of interacting parts that emergent patterns happen, okay? Mm-hmm. The brain is a type of computer. Mm-hmm. The universe is a series of things that interact with one another mm. and make emergent patterns. Mm-hmm. So from a sufficiently broad perspective, you can say that the universe is capable of thinking. Ooh. So the Arthur C. Clarke idea was that that mind, when creatures are susceptible to it makes contact and it makes contact in a way that makes no sense and for this one it was every single kid on the planet just starting to dance in perfect synchronicity as like a side effect of it but they are losing their individuality they are being subsumed within that overmind Mm -hmm. is that morally abhorrent should they be terrified are they being crushed by this thing are they joining it willfully and it pretty Mm -hmm. much comes down to it doesn't matter it's a conceptual inevitability that these things tend towards unity mm-hmm. and i'm going very big picture here but that's something that keeps me up at night as a thought 
not in a terrifying way but in a if you think of the universe as just a big system of interacting elements does that make the universe the alien and mm. if it does what does the universe think about what does the what what does what does the universe want what's it doing can it interact at that level would it be possible to speak with it but these are big huge enormous massive philosophical things but that's the one that i actually engage with the most i think a little bit less like someone's going to come and shake our hands mm. and more like there are ways of perceiving the the universe that we inhabit that interact with things in a way that could have sentience i guess wow that's absolutely fascinating there's a lot of writing on it and it's very interesting but i won't go any further because you can just you can just fall off this cliff into a sea of like existential deconstruction and (laughs) (laughs) oh it's a lovely rabbit hole yeah do you know what? I'm going to take that lovely out that you have offered because we are coming to the end of the episode. But I need to know what your aliens look like, Helen. What do your aliens look like? I don't know. They're just all very sexy. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> they are intrinsically sexy. You don't need to know what they look like. You just know it. Uh, You're calling into question your suitability for the ambassador of Earth position, Helen. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you've got me there Hannah. you've got me there i love it the ufo lands <laughs> the, the aliens come they say greetings earthling and helen as the ambassador reverse just like how you doing <laughs> yeah there's there's a whole tv show around that the ambassador of earth and and her affair with an alien <sighs> yes oh, okay right on that note thank you so so much for talking about this with me this is rocketing up to some of my one of my favorite episodes that we've done this has been fantastic oh, i hope you all had a good time oh yeah very much so <laughs> lovely thank you listener as well for coming on this journey with us i hope that you have enjoyed it and keep that curiosity and imagination and thinking about the universe going hi everyone it's helen here the voice of azu enola and laverne today i'm here to tell you about woe Begone a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later. Keep looking up. Yes. Yeah, keep looking up. Excellent. Oh, Thank and if you, you see a probe out beyond the uh, Coopia belt, I think we left that there. If you could bring that back to us, that'd be grand. <laughs> it's got like a, an LP on it. You can keep that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will see you on the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of them. Do you want to say goodbye, everyone? Goodbye. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Jeffrey Nils Gardner and Catherine Ranella. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you.